Welcome to the Flourishing Therapreneur Podcast, a podcast that equips therapists to thrive in business, expand their reach, and create flourishing and meaningful lives, both personally and professionally. I'm your host, Claire Blakey. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice. I believe in being a multi-passionate therapist. You can have a thriving, financially impactful business, be a leader in the community, and also a business entrepreneur. You don't have to choose, and your impact as a clinician can go beyond the therapy room. I believe that you can be a therapist and an entrepreneur, a therapreneur, and I believe that every therapist deserves the tools, community, and resources to build thriving businesses and flourishing lives. I pair my passion and previous career in PR, marketing, and blogging with my education and experience as a clinician to equip therapists like you who are multi-passionate and wanting to pursue additional opportunities to grow your skill set and expand your reach. So what are we waiting for? Let's get going. Let's create impact and build flourishing lives and businesses we're proud of. Here we go. Season two of the Flourishing Therapreneur is brought to you by Thryzer. Thryzer provides therapists with an end-to-end, out-of-network billing support for their clients. Are you in private practice and want to support clients in getting reimbursed with their super bills and other out-of-network expenses, but don't have the bandwidth to do it alone? Look no further. Thryzer submits all of your insurance claims after every appointment to get faster reimbursement for your ideal clients. And even better, they handle all denials and slowdowns so that clients don't have to stress or contact insurance at all. The riser is affordable and seamless. It's absolutely free to sign up and the processing fee is only 3%. Partnering with Thryzer is an awesome way to make your private pay practice more accessible while positively improving your client experience, thus impacting your client retention and increasing your professionalism for your private practice. Better yet, The onboarding process is seamless and it's super easy to onboard clients and get started. So what are you waiting for? Check out the link in the show notes and use the code flourish to begin your three week free trial. Hi Katie, and welcome to the flourishing therapeneur podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. If you want to take a moment and introduce yourself to the audience, so that way they have a sense of who you are and your lived experiences. Hi, thank you so much for having me. My name is Katie. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and now business coach also um, to therapists and coaches who are, you know, starting their entrepreneur journey or just looking to scale their business. But um, I've been a therapist since 2012. I got licensed in 2017 and opened my private practice then. And yeah, so I did private, I'm still in private practice, but I did private practice for around four and a half years and right kind of at like, I guess, middle COVID. I don't know where we are in COVID right now. I I guess at the end of 2020, I was like, I want to do something different, but I didn't really know what that was or what I felt called to be doing. Um, But with a lot of like, coaching and self-reflection, I realized I wanted to help other mental health professionals, healing professionals, coaches, therapists, whatever you are, um, grow their, their brands, grow their businesses and do it in a way that really felt fun and joyful and sustainable so that they actually can like their business and also be happy in their lives. And it definitely came out of 
me not ever feeling that way until recently. (laughs) And so I think that, you know, me going through thinking that private practice was like the be all end all for me and recognizing that it necessarily wasn't that I wanted to do other things kind of let me realize how important it felt for me to be happy at work and, and like really truly believing that we can have everything we want. Right. So like actually being happy with a family, actually being happy at work, actually, like actually feeling that way and not just, I don't know, like pieces of it all together. Um, so that's been a lot of what I've been working on recently and have had a lot of fun helping therapists and coaches and dietitians with their own like online presence and growing their businesses with them. That's so awesome. And I know we talked a little bit offline before we started recording, but you kind of just spoke into that a bit too, but just that courage and that bravery to look at maybe a goal that you were pursuing, like you mentioned you know, you have a private practice and you've been licensed for a while and maybe that was a goal of yours. And so maybe we could kind of talk about a little bit about your lived experiences in terms of if you want to just walk the audience through, like what, what was your experience in grad school? What was your experience through your clinical hours? Like what were the messages that you were kind of taught or told that like, this is the goal. This is what success is as a therapist. This is what happiness is as a therapist. Um, So we can kind of debunk that a bit. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to relate to this. Sure. So I think, I guess it starts, I mean, when I was a kid, I knew I wanted to be a therapist. So I was young, like 14, decided I'm going to be a therapist. And that is it. I didn't ever question it again. So did psychology in college, went to grad school straight from college, um, graduated in 16 months. Um, from Tulane, which was where I got my social work degree, and then went straight into some like not so wonderful jobs. And they were okay, but I always really struggled with, um, I mean, I struggle with a lot of things about the jobs, but I mean, I was paid terribly, right? Like I think the most amount of money I ever made was like $40,000 and I was Mm -hmm. working hard, working a lot, I was really, I'm a really good therapist, right? So I think part of it was like, I'm so good at this, I have to do it. Um, And I also didn't know that it could be different, right? And Mm -hmm. so I finally got licensed. It took a long time. I lived in Louisiana at the time and they had this insanely high hour requirement and it, whatever, it was like four years. And so I finally got licensed. I opened up my private practice immediately And I did feel so excited because I like loved the freedom of uh, the flexible schedule. I didn't have a hard time getting clients because I worked at Tulane in their, in their counseling center for several years. And so I just kind of, I don't want to say lucked out because it feels like I didn't do anything, (laughs) but I had (laughs) like a steady stream of clients coming to me. So it wasn't ever really like, how am I going to get clients? I didn't really face that. Well, it sounds like you maybe took like really good steps, like with where your clinical sites were, I even if they so. didn't pay well, it built yes. a good foundation of referrals and of name recognition and actually helped set you Towards up. Towards the end, for sure. My, my first like four jobs, I had like seven jobs in like <laughs> five years, which sounds insane. But I think like that's kind of what like early social work looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I worked in drug court. I worked in addiction. I worked in severe mental um, health issue. I, I had like a lot, a lot of experience in different places. 
But I fell into loving eating disorder work partially because I was recovering from my own eating disorder at the time. And it was just like, I felt so passionate about it. Mm. And so that was my niche and my focus. And I also like loved working with college age students and still love to work with them. But that was like where I felt most lit up. Mm. And so I had my private practice for two years in New Orleans. We eventually moved to Tennessee, which is where we live now. And I liked it. And like, that's really all I can say is like, I liked it, but I always felt like there's something more for me. And I had no idea what it was. Hmm. And I also feel like I really struggled with, I'm not a blank slate type slate type of gal. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I do not like smile and nod in therapy. I'm very energetic and active. And so there were a lot of things I think about therapy in general, or what I was taught in grad school that were hard for me, like, personality wise. I didn't resonate with like feeling like I was going to be poor and broke for forever. (laughs) And even in early private practice, like it was hard. Like I did not make a lot of money. I worked like eight hours a day, client hours, and I was still made like 40K a year my first year. Hmm. And I was proud of it, right? And I wasn't expecting to make millions, but it felt like what is going on here? Right. And a lot of that, I think, was my own stuff related to I had a really weird relationship with money. I felt a lot of guilt and shame for wanting more money. I felt um, like I had to be on insurance panels. I, You know, there was just so much messiness there <laughs> that I didn't even know was kind of like it had been felt like it conditioned onto me a little bit. Um When you say conditioned on, do you mean like kind of like maybe you were taught narratives or taught philosophies or whether it was a supervisor or a professor that said, you know, you need to be available to everyone. You need to be on insurance. Therapy needs to be affordable. Therapy needs to be accessible. Or like what were some of the things like I'm going to just break it down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So every single thing that you just said, I felt very strongly. And I also felt like as helping professionals, like who am I to like want more money for helping people? Like there was this really difficult disconnect for me in believing that I think my true soul self knew, yes, of course you deserve this money, but like the egoy fear-based self was like, how do we get there? Right. Mm -hmm. And if everyone else is charging this, or if everyone else is doing this, what makes you so special that you can like, you know, like, go rogue. Right. (laughs) And like, and do, and do your own thing. Right. So social work school certainly was like, you know, and yeah, so I went to social work school, right. And social work values and principles are very, very much like social justice and serving and, and serving the poor and the disenfranchised and and poverty and and all these things. And so I felt Mm -hmm. a lot, a lot of guilt around working with people and charging $200 an hour or not accepting insurance. And And not only that, I felt a lot of like, I guess it's like pressure and or um, maybe pressure is not the right word. I felt judgment from other therapists for wanting to do something different or for wanting to like break a mold, I guess. And 
so that was happening. <laughs> and Let's pause there for a second because I feel like that was such a real thing. Like, yeah, I, and right. I want to hear more about your experiences and maybe share some of mine too. But like that piece of like what it's not just like the people you're helping, it's also our colleagues. It's also the people that mentored us. Yes. It's also like if totally. my supervisor from however many years ago sees my website and sees that I charge 175 or 200, like, and I don't accept insurance, what are they going to think of me? Are they going to consider me a greedy therapist? Are they going to consider me a, you know, whatever? Like, so give me a little bit more about like some of those thoughts about like what people think, or maybe even experiences that you've had. So that's actually when I, so I took a lot of like time recently to really suss out like what, what is going on here. Right. And I never really felt so much like I didn't feel all this guilt and shame related to raising rates for my clients. It was so much more like, what are my friends going to think of me? Or what are my peers going to think of me? Or why do I think that I deserve more money than my friends? Right. Or then like maybe my own therapist who charges less than me. Right. There was so much there. And, you know, honestly, I will tell you, nobody said these things to me. These were my own projections. Like these were my own fears. Right. Like, I did have like some random people who I'm not close with, like say like, oh, that's a lot. Or, oh, how do you feel comfortable doing that? Right. So you, it was more like kind of backhanded. <laughs> right. But but the things that I thought were going to happen didn't really happen. Right. But I, it was much more of this collective feeling that we were all taught this. And so when somebody does something different or even questions doing it differently. Everyone else feels, I think really what it is, is envious and afraid and defensive. And like, how can I be a martyr if I'm not like, (laughs) you know, like, like, and there is to me a lot of martyrdom in this profession. Right. And very much so. And so, and I, and I acted the same way. Right. I was like, you know, like, well, they need me. I have to keep them on. Right. Like kind of this vibe that wasn't serving me at all. And if it, you know, realizing if it's not serving me, it's certainly not serving my client. Um, but I think within the last like two, what, what year are we on? The last year and a half, I've really been able to see through a lot of that and be like, this is not a me problem. This is like a y'all problem. Mm-hmm. If you Like, and I don't need to be codependent and make my business decision based on your assumptions, (laughs) right? And that's like really what has gotten me to that place. And, 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 And also hopefully helping other people get there too. Right. Because I personally don't believe that like people at our education level and experience should be making under a hundred dollars an hour. (laughs) Like I, like I, in my bones that feels so off. Right. And so, yeah, there's been a lot of like deconstruction of that and the field and, and a lot of, I truly believe in my soul that we're supposed to be happy and abundant and joyful. And so if I believe that, how can I act that way? And how can I help other, you know, honestly, I'm going to say women because it's mostly women and this, in this field act that way too. And I don't think it's a coincidence, right? That many women are therapists and coaches and we're also the ones that struggle to get paid the most. And they're also the ones that feel guilt and shame around asking for raises and for paying ourselves appropriately. Right. Like there's a lot of 
like internalized misogyny that we, I feel experience. And so it's, it's heavy, right? <laughs> like there, there's a lot of meat to that, you know? Um, yeah. Well, Katie, I'm curious, um, you know, you're really speaking into a lot of things that are resonating for me. I'm imagining the listeners as well. Um, whether it be, you know, fear around like, you know, what other people think or, um, kind of things that we've been taught. Um, but I'm curious if you could kind of speak into like, how has your relationship with money changed over time? Like, how did you, um, go from being so aware of, you know, the struggle of making more than 40 K a year or charging a rate that you felt you deserved to now where you're at now, where it's very abundant and very much like in integrity and authenticity of who you are and what you deserve and also empowering others to do that. Yeah. So it's been really, really hard. (laughs) Like I will say that most of the things that I've worked on within the last year in terms of like changing my business, it's been a lot of emotional work, right? It hasn't necessarily been like, how do I get more clients? How do I have this online presence? It's like, how do I deal with those emotional things that have kept me like small and trapped. And so in terms of working on my relationship with money, I really had to get clear about what money is, right? And so I had to do a lot of work around what was I taught about money? What was I taught about money in grad school? How do I feel about money now? And really, really work to deconstruct those beliefs and really, really work to honestly challenge most of them because most of them were very unhealthy and most of them were very untrue. And so once I was able to see it from more of a objective place versus, you know, money is so emotional for people, right? So I was able to, most of like the last year and a half has been about like challenging a lot of belief systems that that don't serve me. And that relationship with money was one of them. And so I started testing it, right? I started, I started to really trust that I could have what I wanted. I started to trust that when I raised rates, aligned people would come into my life. I started to trust myself more with my, with my own money. I started to stop. I started to stop. I stopped <laughs> feeling so much like fear around it, right? Like, and and it, a lot of it was working through scarcity mindset, right? Like this belief that no more clients are coming or. Um, this is all you deserve to get paid, or this is what a therapist deserves. A lot of, I find what therapists, therapists, coaches, you know, dietitians are taught. There's a lot of scarcity in it and there's a lot of fear in it. And we don't know that until we're honestly like looking at it and dissecting it. Do you think that some of that stems from like a different generation in terms of like, like we are like modern therapists. We're therapists that are using social media, that we have websites, like thinking back to some of my professors or some of the people that I learned from, like they didn't even have a website. It was all word of mouth. So maybe that scarcity mindset almost could kind of, not that you should justify it then, but like maybe it was a different way of getting referrals. It was a different way of marketing yourself. And so there was this piece of like, oh, like my name isn't circulating very fast. I need to just say yes. Or maybe for us, it's like, no, we have like unlimited access to people, especially if you're Mm -hmm. licensed by state, it's like in with COVID right now, it's like, I have clients in San Diego. I have clients in Sacramento. I have clients in Santa Barbara. Like it, the pool is even larger now with telehealth. So I almost wonder like how much of that, I'm sure there's so many components to this scarcity mindset that's been handed down, but I just, I can't help but wonder like how much of it is 
like the time period and like what was available for those business owners? I think that that probably plays a very big role, actually. I think that, you know, so when I started out, like I did not have an online presence. I, I had a website, but I was not like, you know, I didn't have an Instagram account yet. Like, so even, I think it's even like super recent, right? Within like four years recent, you know, that these things have been a lot more accessible to us and that we can reach almost whoever we want. And so that was not, that didn't exist, right? And I think in terms of scarcity mindset, like that most, I would say like, I don't know, most is a very general term, but many of the people that I know grew up with, I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but like a lot of people I know live in scarcity, right? Whether they actually are physically in scarcity or not, they are emotionally there, right? So there's always a belief of like, I don't have enough, or I don't think I'm going to get enough, or I don't deserve this, right? There's a lot of like, a a lot of blocks there, even if that's not their reality, right? And so Mm -hmm. I was one of those people that felt that way too. And so I think, and then being in that profession of we serve, and you should not ask for more, and you should just be grateful for what you have, all of that indoctrination, I think has made it even harder to believe that you can be an abundant therapist, right? And I think the idea of that makes people so uncomfortable, right? Like, like to question that or to like go against the grain and to like, you know, mm -hmm. embody a different philosophy or narrative. Yeah, I think all of the above. And also, you know, I think at least what I have have come into my own realizations now is that being happy and being joyful sometimes feels like going against the grain, right? Even when things don't feel that good, right? Like I remember, you know, it's been like a, I would say difficult two years for most people, right? But I have been happy, right? Like I have been happy and I have almost felt afraid to say those things because of, oh, like who does she think she is to be happy during COVID? Who does she think she is to have a booming business, you know, during all these things? And it's like, because- people are really, really used to living in fear, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that, and as a a therapist, it almost felt like, like, who am I to be happy when everyone is suffering, right? Who am I to be happy when like the world is in struggles, right? And it Mm -hmm. felt, and I think it's still like a a narrative that I'm working through. (laughs) And, but I think that a lot of, of healing professionals feel feel that way. And because we're so empathic typically and very intuitive typically, yeah, we really do want to serve. And if we can't serve everyone, there's a piece of us that feels like, well, I should be doing more. Why am I not doing more? What can I do? Right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> so learning to be like, I can't do it all. I don't want to do it all. It's okay mm-hmm. that I can't do without all of that. You know, that has been powerful for me. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, and I love just like, it just, it's encouraging to hear you speaking about this in, I, in a way that feels like we don't talk about this. Like it's, at least for me, I feel like there's very few yeah. therapists that want to talk about money and want to talk about it in a positive, empowering, mm-hmm. like you can build, you can grow. There's no, you know, ceiling, like go for it. Like your, yeah. your work is needed and your work should be compensated accordingly. Like it's just refreshing to have this conversation. And I'm sure other people that are listening feel the same. So I'm wondering for people, 
that are um, for people that are listening that are maybe like, okay, this is resonating. I want to raise my fee. I'm recognizing I'm not making what I need. Like they're just feeling like this conversation is for them. What would you tell therapists in terms of raising their rates or really charging what they're worth? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's such a good question. And I would say that most people reach out to me and their first thought, their first question is like, I want to raise my rates, but I don't, I don't feel like I can, right? Like that is like the common thread between everyone who like DMs me or emails me. And I'm like, well, what's stopping you, right? Like if you know you want to do this, like why aren't you, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so they're like, well, I'm afraid to lose clients, right? That is what every single person across the board says. I don't want to lose my clients. And I'm like, of course, right? That is a very valid way to feel. It is also stemming out of a scarcity mindset, right? It is also believing that just because you raise your rates, people are going to leave, right? There is not this like automatic thought of what's best for my business is also what's best for my clients, right? And so I try to, to phrase that in a way of the therapy, coaching, whatever is an energetic exchange, right? We are listening, providing value, supporting. I mean, we're doing so many things. You can't even yeah. like put words <laughs> to it. And, and if we are not feeling like we are receiving in a good, in a or appropriate way, we likely will not be that good at our job right? We likely will not be giving the way that we should be giving or could be giving. And so I frame it also as sometimes like an ethical thing, right? Mm. I always felt, and I like, I felt shame feeling this at the time, but I remember feeling a very different way in my body when like I would receive an insurance payment versus a, pre- versus a, a full, uh, what am I trying to say? Full fee. Like a, pay. yes, a full fee payment. Like it felt different. Right. And I was like, it can't feel different. Like you have to provide the same level of care. And I tried to, right. Like it wasn't like I didn't care, but receiving is an energy. Yeah. Right. And so when we're not allowing people to provide us what we're providing them in a different way, we're not doing ourselves and them any favors is really what it feels like to me at this point. And why do we believe that everyone's going to leave, <laughs> right? Like just because we raise our rate like 20 bucks or like $25 or 50, what, even if you raise it like a lot, what is this belief that, oh, they're all going to leave, right? It's almost like we are deciding how other people spend their money. Like that's not mm-hmm. an us thing, right? Yeah. Right? Like why am I trying to predict how my clients are going to spend their money? It's really... It's very odd, right? And and the truth is some clients will leave, some clients will stay, and it will have nothing to do with you. It will have nothing to do with like the fact that you raised your rates, right? Like, and for the people who leave, you are making space for better, more aligned clients for you and your business. Yeah. And that is an act of self-love, like ultimately mm. in my opinion. <laughs> and so that helped me get through that, like, and continues because I still do this and I still feel that like, oh, when somebody says like, I can't pay that, I still feel like, should I like, you know, take it back? Like, what should I do? <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, if they can't pay that, that's okay. I don't need to change my mind to fix it to like, they're saying no, right? Like they're saying no, and that's okay. And that means somebody else will come. 
it's not like there's a short of us of clients in the world, right? Totally. Yeah. I think kind of like what you're saying too, of like that piece of when you're talking about the scarcity mindset of like when a client says, you say, okay, my fee is 175 and they say, oh, I can't do that. Like I want, you know, something closer to 60 or whatever they say, like that scarcity mindset too, of kind of like what you're speaking into of like, there are so many other clients out there. So by us saying yes to someone that is not in alignment with what we can give, we're going to show up resenting them. We're going to show up, um, you know, not meeting our own needs, not making the overhead for our rent, for our bills, like just the ripple effect. I feel like the scarcity mindset really goes into so many different avenues of how we show up, not just um, saying yes to that person, but also saying yes to ourselves and saying yes to like, oh, I believe in myself. I believe that there's more people out there like who wouldn't want to work with me, like not in a cocky way, but in a owning who you are way. Totally. And like, you know, it's, it's kind of, it, this is like a very silly example, but you know how you feel really differently at your 10 a.m. session versus your 4 p.m. session, right? Like, totally. <laughs> so it's kind of like, <laughs> are we giving everyone the same level of love and support? And, and if they're not giving us what we need money-wise, we probably aren't. And it's not because this is a conscious decision. It's, you know, this service is an energetic exchange. And if we're not receiving, we're not going to be our best. And so I think that that has been, you know, shifting and, and really believing and owning that you do deserve to raise your rate because you're, and, and here's the thing, like it's on us to do that, right? Like your clients are never going to be like, when are you like giving yourself a raise, right? Like, like this is our job, <laughs> right? Yeah. This is our job to do it. And truly not trying to obsess about what you think your clients will do, Yeah. right? Like for me, like I, you know, for, for me, what I value just personally, like I value therapy, I value coaching, I value these things. And so I will maybe have like smaller budgets for other things in my life and bigger budgets for this, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't want... I don't want someone trying to micromanage what I do with my own money, right? And so like, maybe let's not do that for other people, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, I'm just looking at the time and I want to honor, there's a couple other things I wanted to ask you about in terms of this. So um, you kind of spoke into this a little bit earlier, but you mentioned the piece of kind of the irony or the overlap of like it being women that are typically, not always, but there's typically a lot of women in the field as therapists or as coaches. And you were kind of speaking into some of the maybe systemic um, problems or narratives or things that women wrestle with. So can you kind of explain a little bit more or like why you think it's difficult for women specifically, especially as therapists or coaches to really own their fee and own money? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's like, it goes back so, so, so far, honestly, but I think, you know, it's, it's pretty recently within maybe like 20 to 50 years that women have been able to generate their own income, right? Like that they were not solely housewives, that they were not solely at home. And so I feel like, you know, that has been ingrained in us almost like you're allowed to make money, but you're not allowed to make a lot of money. Right. Or like, (laughs) and even in this, you know, we all, we live in, 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 I would say more or less a patriarchal misogynistic society that does not value necessarily helping professionals. Right. I think that feels clear. 
And so when that isn't valued, right, like, for example, like in the school system or at agency jobs, when you are told you deserve $40,000 a year for your services, it feels really hard, I find, to then jump into private practice and then start making 100 k right? It feels like this very, very difficult internal shift, right? And I do think that because there are so many women in the field, it's almost like these things, the, you know, these money issues are not people don't care that much, right? Like they're like, this only affects women, (laughs) right? Like this isn't one of those, you know, big professions that is a moneymaker or generates a lot of income for, you know, like the world, right? And so I find that we then start to also downplay our own gifts and talents and feel like, well, it's not really valued. So am I really valued too, right? I think it becomes this like, it's this, it's already a macro level issue. And then we start to feel it in like that meso level and then like even Mm -hmm. micro. And I do feel like, while like, I think soul level, we believe that we deserve happy, abundant, joyful careers and lives. It feels really hard to believe that when we are not given a whole lot of evidence or concrete examples that it's possible, at least in this field. Right. And so I think without having a lot of expander and like expanders to me, meaning like other people who have done it, we're kind of feeling like, well, this is it, right? Like this is, how do I get out of it? Or how do I change it? And do I deserve to, right? Hmm. To me, there's like an, an always an underlying level of like deservingness, right? And I always like tell my clients, like, try to like be as you know, like gung-ho about your services as like a mediocre man, right? Because like they are not ever worried about how like they come across, right? Like they pitch themselves so hard and we are like, um, I don't know if you like want to pay me, that's fine. But if not, like don't, right? Like we have this yeah. like, like we struggle with our own power and men tip, you know, like obviously like historically do not struggle with power. Right. (laughs) And so I think there's like, honestly, so many things in it, but I think for me, what feels really important is I believe this very deeply that women who have money, women who are wealthy, women who are abundant will change the world. Right. Like Mm -hmm. we, we are the, we are the healers. We are the guides. We are the seers. We actually create, create and care about big level change, but we need money to do that. Right. And so that always kind of feels like a bigger mission to have money in the hands of women. It feels important to me. And so I don't know that I answered that at all, (laughs) but it feels like it hits a lot of different things. Right. Totally. Well, and I feel like that question in itself, or even just highlighting, because there's so many different like layers to this conversation we're having today, but that layer of being a woman in the world and what that means and the historical roots of it and um, just the barriers that come with that, um, that in itself could be a conversation or multiple conversations. So I think what you spoke into was like, yeah, I think you should come back and talk about that too, because I feel like there is so much there and um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just, yeah, there's so much there. Um, I'm with you. Yeah. Well, as we're wrapping up today, I have just felt so encouraged by this conversation. I love 
learning your heartbeat and some of the personal stories that you shared of like, you've been there, you get where a lot of therapists are coming from in terms of the scarcity mindset, in terms of having your own complicated relationship with money and your worth and um, working through that. And so I'm wondering just for anyone that's listening, one, where can they find you? Where can they learn more from you? And then also, are there any upcoming courses or programs or things that they can jump on board with? Yes. Okay. So I'm trying to think about my Instagrams because I have two. Okay. So um, my business account, which is like what we're talking about today is my name, Katie period Lynch. And so that is where a lot of my free, free content is where I do a lot of um, lives and masterclasses. Um, And then in terms of like upcoming stuff, I am offering a group course about really making magnetic content to attract your ideal clients, right? So if you're a therapist or a coach or dietitian or in the helping professional and you're wanting to use Instagram to grow your business and to have, you know, soulmate clients in your life, my personal belief and from experience is you need really good content because your content can sell you. And so I will be teaching about that. I also offer one-on-one private coaching if that is more your speed. Um, And then I also just do some like free stuff sometimes. So just follow me so you like don't miss out. Yeah. And I'll plug all those links in the show notes so people can follow along and just click and go straight to it. Uh, But thank you so much, Katie. This has been such a fun conversation and I'm just excited to continue to support each other and grow. And uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. I appreciate the offer. Have a nice one. Hi, Flourishing Therapreneurs. I wanted to hop on and share that our course Flourishing in Private Practice is coming spring 2022. If you are a pre-licensed student, trainee, associate, or even a licensed therapist that perhaps is either wanting to learn more about strengthening your private practice or curious to take the leap from agency to being your own boss, this course will walk you through all the steps from the basics of setting up your business structure, creating your brand, building your reputation in the field, and strengthening your systems to help your business flourish. This course is filled to the brim with tangible examples templates, and structure to help your business thrive and for you to grow and flourish personally and professionally. This course will be open for enrollment for two weeks in the spring, and then we'll close until the fall for a second round of enrollment. If this is you and you're wanting in, go to our website at theflourishingtherapreneur.com to join our mailing list and to be the first to know when the doors open. We also have a free download on our website called 10 Steps to Starting a Private Practice available for you today. So if you're wanting to get started sooner or dip your feet into the idea, don't wait another moment. I'm looking forward to continuing to grow and flourish together as therapists and entrepreneurs. As therapreneurs, let's go. Thank you for tuning in to the Flourishing Therapreneur Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review as that helps other clinicians and therapreneurs find our community and thrive through our offerings. Want to take your business a step further? Visit theflourishingtherapreneur.com or our Instagram with the same handle. Connect with our free community or sign up for an upcoming course to help cultivate your thriving business and endeavors so you can flourish personally and professionally. Until next time, I'm your host, Claire Blakey, and I believe you deserve to flourish as a therapreneur.